0: know we've been talking about all these free agents that the penguins have to keep from leaving pittsburgh chiefly it's been about chris Latang and how he wants a raise from his current 7.25 million salary and about brian rust who's going to get a raise whether it's here or somewhere else and then there's the guy who's outperforming everybody and He's the one we have pegged for a pay cut. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Penguins 11. Red Wings 2. I wasn't there to cover it myself, I wouldn't have believed the score, even given Detroit's dismal history over the past half decade and the even more dismal goaltending that they brought into town with Alex Nedeljkovic and Calvin Picard. I mean, I don't even have adjectives for what it was that played out there. And when I say that, I'm not referring to this from the Pittsburgh perspective, but from the other side. That was the worst showing by the worst opponent featuring the worst goaltending that I've seen come through that building in a long time. And yes, I know that the Wings took the Lightning to overtime the previous day, ended up losing to Tampa Bay, and supposedly outplayed them and everything else here. I don't care. They've won two out of their last 12. The goaltending stats are legitimately the worst in the league. And everything that I... Oh, I shouldn't say everything. Most everything that I saw out there, I can point a lot more to the other guys than to the home guys. Now, that said, Gino still came away with his 13th career hat trick. Gino has still produced over his last 14 games 10 goals and five assists, including six goals in the past four games, at least one in each. And ever since his return from knee surgery, In those 30 games, he's got 16 goals and 16 assists, which is obviously a a a better-than-a-point-a-game pace. That's classic Geno. That's the Geno of old, as opposed to the old Geno. That's a star in the NHL. Still, by any measure, statistical or otherwise, and I dare say that anybody who's just magically expecting this player because they know he's never going to leave Pittsburgh—he's made that clear—to drop from I don't know nine point five million that he's making now to seven point five or something like that—you um, know—I don't know that that's just a you know a gimme. I think if you're Geno and your Geno's representation and your client is roughly the same age as Latang, a year older, it'd be fair to say back to management in a negotiation, hey, this guy that we're representing hasn't exactly dropped off. If you want to either keep Latang at the same price or reward him with a raise... But you want to drop our guy, we're going to uh, we're gonna have to talk about that a little bit. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Now, I'd love to share with you what Gino thinks about all of this and about his hat trick and about his surge, but as everybody uh, undoubtedly knows at this point, he has not spoken since the day before the Russian army invaded Ukraine, at which point he has decided that he's not going to speak with reporters, and risk saying something that could jeopardize his family, most of which is in Russia, when, you know, as the world has kind of witnessed lately, that place is being run by a madman-slash-war criminal. And I get that. As I've told you on this show, I respect that. And at the same time, you know, as I was coming down the elevator... After this one, I was thinking to myself, you know, nobody, nobody from the Penguins has been asked to speak on this subject. And knowing what I do about Mike Sullivan and trusting that he's the type to engage with his players in good times and in bad uh, as it relates to their profession and as it relates to their personal life. I believe that he would have been communicating with Malkin about this on a regular basis and so I I ask.
1: Uh, yeah, we have. We've had uh, open discussion with Gino uh, with respect to this. You know, he's uh he knows that he has the full support of his of his uh, w- w- being part of the Pittsburgh Penguins family. And we're all concerned for him. You know, I can't imagine uh, going through what he's going through. He has family uh, living in Russia, a country that's at war right now, in a real difficult circumstance, uh, to no fault of his own, quite frankly. And I think a lot of this stuff is bleeding into sports. and. Uh, Knowing Gino the way I know him, he loves being a hockey player, he loves doing what he does, and he loves his family. So for sure we have concern for him, and, uh, and we have had open dialogue with him with respect to this.
0: That guy is the head coach of a hockey team. He probably should be in charge of, like, everything. He exhibits leadership skills in a way that There aren't politicians, probably not 99% of them, worldwide, who have what he has. Alas, he is a hockey coach. And I did appreciate the answer, and further appreciate the sentiment with which he chose to address my question. He could have tried to say something from... Gino's point of view. And that would have been a mistake. And he's too smart for that, but it was at least possible. He didn't. He instead took the one approach to which he could genuinely and authoritatively and comfortably speak. And that was the Penguin's own. He chose to emphasize how the Penguins feel about Malkin, how they've handled this situation toward him as opposed to vice versa. I'm not here to make anybody a hero. I'm not here to make Malkin a hero or Sullivan a hero. Um, That's a pretty serious term to be flinging around recklessly uh, and doubly so during a war. But I do think it's worth more than a small asterisk that, This player and this coach and this team and this organization as a whole has managed to get this level of hockey out of him at this time. My own theory on this is that Malkin is feeling so grateful for their support that he's essentially giving back. I know enough about the man and have heard enough over the past month to feel that's the case and if so wow yeah it's tough to talk about hockey whenever you bring the war stuff into it i'm gonna change the subject when we get to j1q Today's J1Q comes from Kate, and she asks, Radim Zahorna got two primary assists against Detroit, and they were both pretty nice passes. Will he be in the lineup when everyone's healthy? I doubt it, but it's not bad to have in reserve. You know, Kate, as with everything else in that game, I'm inclined to dispose of it and forget that it ever happened. And I'm not going to change that just because Zahorna is a guy I've been pushing the Penguins uh, myself on this show to give more of an opportunity to. I really liked that first assist, the pass to Teddy Bluger, the two-on-one shorthanded. Uh, I would say that Teddy did well to finish, but he hit the center bar. <laughs> I keep pointing to Detroit here, but Nedeljkovic just gave him the entire net and all Teddy did was just walk up to the beach and hit the ocean but but I digress it was a good pass from Zahorna uh, same goes for the pass to Ricard Raquel in the third period although again Raquel scored from Mars on an unscreened wrist shot so Take these things with a grain of salt as it relates to the points that were put up and look instead at the plays that were made. Zahorna has done a good job of making plays uh, really in all three zones in tight quarters and when he's contested, and I've liked that, and I know one person who will like that more than anyone. And that's the head coach. It was what endeared him in particular to Dominic Simone. Zahorna is obviously a much bigger player with more of a scoring touch than Dom. That's not saying much, and I don't mean to damn him with faint praise. But look, that fourth line, Bluger, Zahorna, and Boyle, you put yourself in a position where you have Teddy in the middle, not the biggest guy, but really, really effective, and two tall trees flanking him. It gives you, if you're the Penguins coaches, uh, a very different look to send out on the ice whenever it's their turn, and it can kind of keep the other team a little bit unsettled. Uh, on one shift, they might be out there against you know Sid and Jake, and whether it's Rodriguez or Rust, but Spinning around, flying around, cycling. And then these guys come on and they're coming at you a complete different way. There were some physical plays that led to some of the offense uh, in this game by the fourth line. That's that's different. And that's something I feel, Kate, that's worth keeping an eye on. Now let's remember that Jason Zucker is going to come back, that Brock McGinn is going to come back. Both of these guys will be in the lineup, and the way Kasperi Kappen is coming around a little bit and doing a little bit more north than he is south, it doesn't look like he's going to come out of the lineup, so I wouldn't get your hopes up for Zahorna sticking with this group, but then we can also sit here and fantasize that the Penguins will enter the playoffs completely healthy and stay that way for however long they're alive. That won't happen at all so if Zahorna positions himself as forward number 13 and you know that he can play either wing or center for that matter he's in a pretty good spot to see some action I appreciate the question I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins we'll do another one tomorrow